welcome back into the intersection. Today is Friday, November 18th. I'm your host, Colin Plain. I'm excited to be back. We have a great guest in store for today as Connie Carberg joins the show. For those who don't know, Connie was the first female NFL scout for the New York Jets in the late 70s. It was great having her on. We're talking about her story. She grew up in Babylon, New York and played college basketball at Wheaton College before transferring to Ohio State University. And from there, growing close to the Ohio State football team and befriending head coach at the time, the legendary Woody Hayes. And how her really career took off from there. It was great to have her on today, and I'm glad you guys can enjoy the show. Welcome back into The Intersection, the podcast hosted by the Sports Society Initiative at Ohio State. I'm very pleased to welcome Connie Carver today. Connie, how you doing? I'm so happy that we are able to talk via Zoom today. So am I, Cole. It's a pleasure to meet you and to speak with you, as I said, a fellow Buckeye. A fellow Buckeye, indeed, an Ohio State graduate. Love to have that little connection between us. Uh, but Connie, of course, the Sports Society Initiative is where sports and society can really interconnect. And of course, what better to have you on today as your story is so telling and so greatly. For anyone who doesn't know, Connie Carberg was a the first female NFL scout for the Jets in the late 70s. She was able to come onto the scene. And Connie, just go ahead, kind of start there. Talk a little bit about, you know, how you first kind of got into that role. And at the time, it's almost unheard of for a female to be in that role so prominent in a league like the NFL. Well, yes, it really, it really was. I was the only one, and but it really starts back, you know, when I was uh, 13 and I played all kinds of sports, you know, all my life. I was just a tomboy and played everything with my brothers and everything. And I knew the other sports, but football was not something that women were into really at all back then. Okay. So you're, you're talking about growing up in the sixties. And, and late, you know, late 60s and then going into the 70s. Well, I said my father and my uncle, Dr. James and Calvin Nicholas, became the two team doctors for the Jets. And once that happened, they were the Titans who then became the Jets. Once that happened, I said, I better learn the sport. So I was very fortunate. I had some really good people that were male mentors that were great. <clears throat> One was my earth science teacher in high school. <clears throat> and then, <clears throat> excuse me, after playing sports and learning, I started holding my own mock drafts. I don't even know how because all we had was a Street and Smith magazine and you had one game on a week that Keith Jackson would be announcing on Saturday that was a big thing and then you had to try to figure out who you might want to draft I just did this on my own I don't even know why back then and and I would be going to all the jet games and then learning and all the players were at our house Joe Namath and um, in fact later on Matt Snell was a great fullback for the New York Jets and he's a he's a Buckeye also <clears throat> so after high school though um I decided I, they didn't have girl scholarships. So just think back then. In fact, when I started playing basketball, it was six girl basketball and you can only take three dribbles. By the time I graduated, it was regular boys rules. But they still didn't have scholarships. Title IX didn't come to like 72, 73. And that right now, I think it was the 50th anniversary. So I went to an all girls college for two years and stuff was just, it just was missing, you know, big time sports. So I decided to transfer. And the best move I could have made was the Ohio State University. Went there, lived in Lincoln Tower the first the first year, and joined my sorority ZTA, and really loved the school. And <clears throat> while I was there, of course, football is just the, the number one thing. Everybody goes to the games and stuff. 
So I really loved it. Um, and so even though I had my Jets connections, now my college connection was billing. When that happened, um, one day I took a You Win With People book by Woody Hayes. Coach Woody Hayes was the man and he was the coach. And I went over to the union and that's where the players ate at that time. And I waited until they all came out and Coach Hayes came out and I, start, I went up to him and talked to him, had him sign the book, which I still have. And he said, you know, why don't you come over to the office over in the stadium sometime and we'll chat. So I did. Of course, I took him up on it right away. <laughs> I, was made from, I was made from a home ec education. I don't know why I chose it because I had to choose a major and they didn't have like broadcast journalism or sports management or anything like that back then. And I didn't know what, exactly what I wanted anyway. So I went over and spoke to him. And he said, you know, you have such a passion and you really know your sports. And he said, I want you, listen, there's nothing for women right now. There was not even Phyllis George who did the pre-games was the original. She hadn't even started. So there was really nothing as far as females in the, in the football part, no such thing as a sideline report, no such thing as a regular report or much less a, um, you know, a pregame person, um, just anything, scouts, of course, coaches, not even, never heard of. So, but I did go to games, just like he said, but he said, I want you also to come to any practice, whether it's open or closed, you're allowed in, talk to the scouts talk to the players, figure things out, watch everything. And so, and sometimes instead of going to class, a lot of times like I would go to football practice <laughs> every day and it was really great. So then I graduated and I thought I was gonna teach at my old high school in Babylon on Long Island and then maybe coach girls sports. My father had a 50th birthday party. A lot of the Jets and family and friends were there and I was table hopping, talking to people and I sat down next to the head coach, Charlie Winter we started talking. He goes, you know what? We're building a brand new complex on Long Island at Hofstra University. And you really love, you have such a passion. You love sports. You know your stuff. Would you consider working for us? It was like a dream come true. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, it just happened like that. And so I did. And I didn't, I didn't care what time, what they paid me. I didn't, nothing mattered. I still lived at home, you know, when I came out of school. And so I was working, but I was also the receptionist as well as the scouting secretary. And I was the only girl in the whole building with the players and, and the trainers and all that and that type of thing. So that went on for a little bit. And then they started adding more women secretaries and stuff, but it was really a lot of fun. I got to know everybody because in those days people didn't, have, you, if you called somebody at another team, you could get right through to them because most right. people did not have personal secretaries or assistants, interns, was no such thing as an intern. So you would really get to know just about everybody, which was really nice. Well, I was also doing the scouting. Well, in 1975, so I graduated in 74, in 1975, we were doing the draft and it was 17 rounds. And which is now it's only seven, but back then it was 17 and it wasn't on TV. There was no ESPN. There was no computers. It was done as best you can. And we put everything on these little cards, height, weight, speed, wonder lick test, how fast he was on grass and how fast he was on AstroTurf, that type of thing. So um, we got to about the 17th round and all my boss, Mike Holovac, who was just a genius. And he was one of my big mentors, along with Coach Hayes and along with my earth science. And Walt Michaels also from the New York Jets. He had been the defensive coordinator growing up when the Jets won the Super Bowl, their only Super Bowl. So I said, I had a lot of really great male mentors. And so um, he said, 17th round, you, the, he and Al Ward, the general manager, said, you're, Connie, you're going to make the last pick. So I did. And I chose Mike Bartosik tight end wide receiver out of the Ohio State University. And um, so he came, so I was, I'm still to this day, the only female that's ever made an actual draft pick. 
then after that, I was working with scouts, doing a lot of different things. And the next thing I know, we're back doing, we also did game plans back. We would sit in the locker room, do a game plan. And while I was there, Mike Hollaback and, and, they, and Al Ward said, you know what? We want you to do, we want you to do scouting for us. And I said, okay. I didn't think it was a big deal. I just thought, okay, this is what I know. This is the only thing I feel comfortable in is that kind of thing. And you know, scouting is not an exact science. If you hit 50%, you're kind of lucky. I loved it. And so I said, great. So they sent me to Ohio State, Boston College, the Orange Bowl. And of course, Coach Hayes, he was unbelievable when I went out to Ohio State. Carte blanche to anything that I wanted, to talk to any player I wanted. And while I was out there, Jim Ingram, uh, from the, he was with the Lantern at the time. Okay, and he came and interviewed me. And it's so great that I had that because the Jets didn't publicize it a lot. Um, Dick Young wrote about it, who was a famous writer. But it was, they didn't make it a big deal. It was just like, you know, Connie scouting. And she's part, working with, she's doing her secretarial stuff, but she's also on the road scouting. And so I didn't think it was a big deal, as I said, but I'm so glad I kept that and I kept all these things so that eventually when I made my website, I had all that stuff to show that it began in the 1975, 19, after 1975, about 76. Yeah, definitely. That's, and it's just credible to hear. And even talking about when you first got offered that scouting position, you, you just said it, you said, you know, I didn't think anything too of it. I, it's what I do. It's what I know how to do, but for everyone else, that's, it's almost a, it, it is a groundbreaking saying, wow, this is the first female NFL scout. How was, um, you know, in terms of the own organization, but how was the reception like across the league with the, at the time knowing that, you know, there's a, this is, there's now a female NFL scout. Was it positive reception, a little negative, a little both? How was that from your perspective? You know, I don't know if ignorance is bliss, but I found it very welcoming. I really found it from, from the players to the scouts, to, to go into the different schools. Um, I, I, the one thing I wasn't a person of great confidence in myself. Like I didn't go to my prom, you know, and all this kind of stuff until I, you know, until I eventually met my husband that I get confidence in, in me in that respect. But back to the only thing I really felt confident in was, was football. The play, as I said, whether the players were at the house, whether we were going to game, it was just, it really was my, almost like who I was. So when that happened, I think they felt it. It wasn't like, okay, you know, I'm a woman, let me do this. It wasn't like that at all. It was just, okay, you know, here's, here's Connie. And eventually when I met my husband while I was working at the Jets, he, he said he used to just love to sit back and watch and just watch me talk to everybody. He was so good about it. He never, uh, you know, he was so encouraging. From the time we dated, we used to grade film. I would be grading films. It was real to real back then. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, so it was like Joe Delaney, who was a running back, and he, he eventually played for the Chiefs and passed away trying to save some people. But I remember we would go on our dates, and we would, you know, I'd be watching films, and he was always so supportive of me. Connie, you sound like one of us. Uh, you talked about it. <laughs> skipping classes from time to time to go to football. Uh, of course, uh, your husband now being very encouraged you of at the time. Uh, you, it sounds like this is something you've always wanted to do. You mentioned it growing up, always playing sports, um, kind of toning in, you know, specifically on football. What really drew your eye to football in terms of scouting more than possibly any other sport that you've played or watched at the time? Yeah, funny. I, don't, I wish I knew, you know, sometimes something just, I think it was, you know, the, the, I always loved passion, pageantry, you know, the excitement, just like with, when you go to Ohio State and you have the marching band and everybody's at St. John Arena, right? I don't even know if they stand. And then coming over to the stadium afterwards. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when, I, when I was in my sorority and I became, I was president, but we would all be marching through the house, singing the fight song. But even before that, I said, growing up, 
I just loved all the, the passion that football seemed to bring. My, my family was very much into baseball, but then once the Jets came in, and at that time it was very family oriented, all the players lived around Long Island. So other than Joe Namath, I mean, he was the most famous and he lives in New York City and he was all, you know, he was like a huge celebrity. Um, everybody else was, we were back in each other's houses at swimming parties. Um, they had a basketball team in the off season to make $50 extra. You couldn't do that now because you know, they make enough plus uh, liability reasons. But back then, you know, they did. So I think there was just so much about the sport uh, because I am a person, as I said, that, that just um, loves excitement, uh, the beauty of the sport. I think so many women back then, a lot of women know the sport now because they can play a flag, tackle, or they just happen to grow up, you know, knowing it. But back when I was young, they didn't. So, but I was always playing it in the backyard with my brothers and said, and just watching it on TV. And I wasn't busy dating or anything at that time. And so it really became something that just, I just was drawn to. Oh, definitely. So, and like you talked about, uh, first coming into the role as a general, you said you mentioned it, you worked with Ohio State, working with Woody Hayes, you kind of capitalized on that, the great Woody Hayes, but how did really that, you know, of course, you said he was a great mentor, how did that exactly propel you uh, even further along with your career, getting to that scouting department with the Jets, how, like, how was your experience at Ohio State really because beneficial it, to you? Yeah, because of that great meeting that I had with him, he said, don't give up on your passion. He said, I, he said, I don't know right now, there, there is nothing for women. He said, but I don't want, don't give up on it because you don't know what's going to happen down the road. He said, so if you have a passion, which you do, stay with it. You don't know where it's going to lead you. And he was exactly right. And then he get also, but he also opened a door, not just verbally, but saying, come to practice. You, you know, a lot of times they have closed practices, but I was allowed to go in. Um, I know he met my parents. Um, there was a restaurant that used to be there called the High Lie. It's probably not there anymore, but it was called High. And he used to eat there. And I was with my parents and they met him. And my father wrote him a nice note, just being so nice to us. And he wrote back and he told, to, told my dad, he said, you, know, you can come to practice anytime as long as Connie goes with you. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing he, you know, I still have that letter, of course, from Coach Hayes. But everything about him with me, I know there were, you know, things that happened afterwards later on. But, you know, you only can go by how you find people. And um, he went out of his way just to be so kind all the time and warm and, and helping and answer any questions that I had. Definitely. Um and then in terms of getting started with the Jets, uh, in terms of the scouting department, of course, you mentioned you were able to make that last pick for them, Ohio State graduate, which turned yes. out awesome, fantastic. And then, of course, getting the actual job offer. Um, kind of talk about that jump. Uh, of course, that it was almost like a surreal moment, I have to imagine for you, but kind of talk about that day by day and what exactly went into being an NFL scout at that time? Of course, you mentioned being able to go to different schools, but what kind of went into that entire process? Yeah. Well, as I said, it was a lot different. There weren't, weren't any computers, so we're still on typewriter. So um, while I still had my regular, I was still doing work of with all the other scouts, setting up where they were going, uh, filing. But now I was also grading films. As I said, they had reel to reel. And, you know, you, you were looking at the University of Pittsburgh who had Tony Dorsett and Matt Cavanaugh and Hugh Green and Ricky Jackson, and, you know, and then you would write up all that, all those reports from, from the film, because as they say, the film never, the tape never lies. So you would write that up, plus going out to the schools. And also we would, um, the Jets were the first, you know, they were first to have a female scout without making a big deal of it. And then after we drafted Marvin Powell and Wesley Walker in 77, who are um, two great players that we had, 
um, and they both had injuries. So they decided to bring about 100 players or 150 players into New York City for physicals. It was the pre-combine. There was no combine. So remember again. So the, the Jets were the first to do that. They brought players in and we they would be examined. And then also we would have interviews. So I would do the talking to the players because some, some guys don't want to play in New York, big city, the pressure of the media compared to a smaller, you know, venue if you're playing in, in Green Bay, even though it's, you know, even though it's a popular place, it's much not as intense as New York with the, there's just so much media. And some guys love that. Some guys don't. What kind of character they had, how hungry, how much did they love football? So I love going into that aspect of it as well. Getting to that, that I think I, is one of my favorite parts is really trying to judge players. They're because you can't, a lot of them have height, weight, and speed. So there's going to be something else that why are there so many free agents that make it? There's certain things you can't measure, like the heart, the will, the, the love of the sport, um, going to the right team that plays you, gives you a chance. There's a lot of different things that go into making a football team. Yeah, and you, you just hit on a little bit. Um, of course, you can have all the metrics, all the stats, and all the intangibles that a player can bring, but you kind of mentioned, you know, in terms of having a good fit, How's their personality? How how much did you take um, into that when doing your scouting reports and comparisons from player to player, knowing what kind of person they are and how exactly they would fit in on your team? I was very, very big on that. And in fact, you know, probably the biggest thing that happened down the road after I'm doing this for a while, I had a new boss that came in who was kind of tough. The only person that I've ever had that was really tough uh, came, didn't know me. I really had to prove myself, didn't want me to go look, watch, watch practice. So I, I had to show him why I needed to. And eventually it worked out. And he got to the point where he did trust me, went on the road. And we were coaching the senior bowl. Like we did the first time, this was kind of neat this year. We got to coach a senior bowl again. And we hadn't coached it in 43 years. So we're coaching it in 1979. And we were coaching the North squad. Walt Michaels was the head coach. Now, a guy got hurt, Mike Stensrud. And he was from Iowa State. Uh, and so they, my boss called me, we need a new defensive lineman. Now, most of the number one and number two picks, as you know, are in the senior bowl, uh, especially back then. They were all the top guys were always in. So now I had to find some guys that might have been rated from four to seven in that area that, that could play. So I, all I do is look whatever films I had, reports, anything that people might have said about them. Uh, anything because back then again no computers the only person team that really had was way ahead were the Dallas Cowboys they were the first ones with computers and they were just they were in the scouting Gil Brandt you know the father of the draft and scouting the godfather so um so anyway I then made a call I said well I'm going to look at these players and I narrowed it down to five guys and I said now most of them are fairly similar one guy is much faster is faster than the rest but he's from a very small school so how am I going to make my decision? I finally said, all right, I want to talk to them. So I called each one. And most of them said, you know, okay, I'll go to the senior bowl or I'll, yeah, what, what, what does it entail? How long do I have to be there? When do I have to go? Blah, blah, blah. One person that I called said, oh, football's my life. Get me there. This is a dream come true. I'll, I'll get on the next plane, wherever you need me to be. Blah, blah. Just the passion and the love came right through. So I go, I got to find out which one this was. But looking at the reports again, went back. That was the guy from the small school, East Central Oklahoma, um, 6'5", 280, but he ran a 4.55. And that was Mark Gastineau. 
And Mark Gastineau became probably, other than Joe Namath as a Jet back in the days where he transcended the sport and he became the sack leader till Michael Strahan broke it with a fake dive by Brett, you know, when Brett Favre took the dive <laughs> to break the record. So I was very happy when TJ Watt tied it last year. I really was. I want TJ, I wanted TJ to, to even, Mark wouldn't even mind if he broke it at all. <laughs> so, so, cause we always stayed, you know, I'm, I'm in touch with Mark and, and his wife and everything, Joanne. So um, it, that's how it all began that I got him in. He went down to the senior bowl, just like Jermaine. It's funny, like, like Jermaine Johnson did this year. Which I saw, I know you did an article on Jermaine. And I, I fell in love with him when I met him as a person and then as a player. And he just tore everybody up. And that's what Mark did down there, apparently. And so he became, we took Marty Lyons from Alabama in the first round. And I'd be in the room, I'm what we call it, into New York and the New York Jets select. And then the second round was Mark Gastineau. So, um, you know, that was a, lo a long time ago. And then he got in the ring of honor, brought me with his family. And so those, that was probably one of the biggest things that, but it was more than just, you know, it was hearing him on the phone and the love of the game. And that's the way he played it for anybody that knows and watched him. Yeah, definitely. And you, you have the biggest insight that 99% of the people will never understand. Uh, you can have those deep personal conversations uh, with these potential players for the teams, really get to know where they are uh, from, you know, their personality, heart point of view and what best fits for the team. And, I like how you mentioned the senior bowl as well. It's cool how it's um, changed how a little bit, like you mentioned uh, back then, it was almost the top players in senior bowl. But now I love the opportunity that does uh, Jim Nagy does a great job yes. uh, getting, getting players involved and giving them almost a second showcase. You mentioned it this year, of course, the Jets got to be one of the teams to coach. Uh, so that was really cool. You know, I was, like you mentioned, I was there as well. Uh, it was really cool. Isn't that amazing? I didn't, I didn't see you there, darn it, Cole. Uh, <laughs> Next we time. missed each other. <laughs> yes, definitely was. But it was. It, it's funny because I, I was at the Hula Bowl last year, okay. and they honored me at the Hula Bowl for being the first female scout. Was, they brought it to Orlando. I didn't go to Hawaii. They brought it here in Orlando <laughs> where I live. And so I was with. I was watching practice every day, and Phil Savage, who did the Senior Bowl before Jim Nagy, and okay. he's there. And Jim, Jim has taken and done a great job, and Phil. Uh, has this wonderful um, fourth and gold this great book that he wrote and I became friends with him on Twitter like so many of so many of us have become friends that way and not knowing that eventually he was going to end up working for the Jets and be the assistant to the GM Joe Douglas Phil Savage you know you never know in life that's why I said football is such a small world one, that one thing and you meet one person and that kind of rolls to the next person so as I said, so the senior bowl, when I saw Bill Savage, he said, are you going down to the senior bowl? And I go, ah, I don't, I don't think this is right for the pandemic. It was kind of borderline. I go, um, I don't know. He goes, no, you have to. It's 45, 43 years ago. And you got Mark Gastineau there. You got to go. I said, okay. So I went and it, it was, it was just a great experience. And I said, Jermaine, we, we got uh, Jeremy Ruckert. Uh, he also was there as, you know, another Buckeye that we got. And then um, he was, uh, Garrett Wilson was not at the, senior bowl but of course we drafted him and what a oh, what a fine person he is oh my goodness gracious me they don't come any better i know his sister's still at ohio state and um talked to his lovely mom candy during the summer and just you know wonderful people wonderful people oh definitely so and it's it's a great point you brought up ohio state buckeyes going to the jets this year and of course we see your deck down jets gear you have all the jets uh decoration in the oh, background yeah of course <laughs> everything, everything. represent uh just i mean 
it's been a whole huge part of your life, obviously getting into that scouting role, just kind of talk about what New York specifically the jets have meant to you across all these years and how you constantly still show support to them when, you know, they were the first one to really show support to you. Nicole, yeah, they have meant everything to me in all, you know, all these years. And I've gone back every summer, even my, my dad and uncle stayed doctors for 25. After I got married and came to, I moved to South Florida, I still would come up every summer for three weeks to go to training camp, stayed in touch with everybody. And my dad and uncle were, were there until the 90s, you know, working as the doctors. So as I said, it was, it was great to still know everybody. And I still go up every year. The only year I missed was the pandemic year. But it was I've done 57 years now of every summer. And the Jets have been, you know, through the years, uh, Woody and Chris Johnson, and now Joe Douglas and Rex Hogan and Phil Savage, and Coach Sal, Coach Sal, they all have treated me, uh, you know, just amazingly. I'm, I am really blessed. Um, they, they still treat me like family um, when I'm there. And I, I, I've, been, as I said, I've been very, very fortunate. That's awesome to hear. And Connie, you know, one more question from me. Um, you know, I, we, we, of course, have to mention it because it's a groundbreaking, especially for Title IX, being that first NFL scout um, in a professional football league like the NFL, where, like we talked about, it was very unheard of, uh, very unheard of at the time. So you kind of mentioned it, you know, on your website as well. Uh, for specifically females, you know, they can sit down, um, watch football games with their husbands, boyfriends to watch the game, but you can go beyond that. You can learn the idea of how everything operates and how everything kind of works. So what would be your biggest piece of advice for, you know, I guess anyone, but specifically females trying to still break into these roles and really gain an upper hand in this world? Um, I think number one is, you know, keep an open mind on whatever you're going to do, because, you know, it, it may be in scouting, it could be in community relations, it could be in PR, it could be in training, trainers or announcing. I mean, it's, the door is wide open now. And with internships, which we didn't have, the most important thing you can do is having an internship because once I said, once you go to a team, it might not even be in exactly what you're going to end up in, but all it takes is one per, I always tell me it only takes one person to believe in you and say, you know what? I really like Cole's work ethic. I think I'll take him with me wherever I go, or, you know, I'm going to hire him here. It, you don't need to have to have 50 million people. And as I said, the word gets around the league also on your work ethic and your attitude. You can teach skills. I didn't know how to type. I didn't know how to do any secretarial skills. And I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to get that? And there was no, um, no Google and no YouTube. How do, I don't know how to write a form letter. I don't know how to do anything. So I had to kind of you know, fake my way, but I knew the football part. And that, thank goodness, that's what they saw in me. So don't worry about if you don't have every skill. Um, it's, they love, people love answering questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions if you, and say, I, you know, I really don't know this. Because first of all, it's, it's not an exact science in scouting either. You see how many, even with all the stuff we have now, how many mistakes are still made in first rounds, second rounds, third rounds. And because you pay them more, you can't be a bust right away. But there are a lot because as I said, the heart can't be measured and all the other things that go with it. And also now more than ever, different schemes if you're going to the ravens you're doing a different offense than if you're with the jets and the 49ers and you know everybody has their and different coaching styles so you might be a success look at look at geno smith and what's happened to him in 10 years and different teams and now getting his opportunity marcus mariota who look was kind of labeled a bust arthur smith has just resurrected 
So the coaching is where is important, where you land, how you mature, you know, it's, that's what's so great about the whole, that's why I like the whole thing. There's, there's so much to it. Um, it's just not, you know, there's just not one answer to everything. And you're going to be wrong a lot. And you just have to kind of accept that. You, you hope you're overall that you do pretty well. Definitely. And I really like the piece you said, how in today's modern age, there are so many open doors for across, especially in the sports world uh, with different organizations. And that goes into any job, you know, you want to be in write, writing and print, you want to be in broadcasting, you mentioned it, communications, production, anything that you can think of. There's not, you know, as almost, no, no. almost like uh, in the seventies, you know, there's almost like, okay, here's one straight path. It's kind of opened up a lot more and more. There's so many more different opportunities. The only, now, the, the yeah. only hard part is there's so much competition now. Exactly. So you, got, right? exactly. so you, have, you have so many more people going into it because everybody wants to work if they can. If they love sports, they want to work in it, even though it's a 24-7. It's not what Monday, you know, it's not a four-day work week like people want to go. It's seven days and you're working a lot in season if you're doing it with the team. So, you, and you're on call for different things and traveling sometimes on the weekend. So you have to be, you know, now if you're a scout, you have to have either be single or have a very understanding sp spouse because you're, you know, 10 months a year, you're basically uh, scouting it out on the road a lot. So, so you have to kind of know all those different things. But I think it's all, as I said, it's all attitude. Um, and that, so when you all get together, there's so many people that are vying for all this, but you have to somehow set yourself apart. Um, by, as I said, by your work ethic, by your attitude, um, just people seeing how you, how, if you're a people person, you know, the worst thing is to have somebody be in PR and they don't like people. Okay. Cause you gotta be, you know, whatever area you go to now, if you're in uh, analytics, probably not as important, right? So it all depends what you're going to go into. So, um, I, but it, there are so many opportunities for, the, for women right now. And they, they also can play flag. There's also a real tackle, not the lingerie league, but the real tackle football. And so there, people have much more of an advantage even than I ever did uh, because we didn't have anything like that at all to, to, to learn from or draw from. Definitely. Connie, I greatly appreciate you being able to spend a little bit of your afternoon, your time with me. Uh, it's tremendous. And talking about your insight and your experiences, of course, once again, Connie Carberg, the first female NFL scout it's, it's really breathtaking to see what you have accomplished and what you can accomplish for anyone. So once again, we really appreciate you coming on and just sharing this great insight with us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Cole. I enjoyed that. I got to know you again, getting to know you on Twitter right away. It's, it's another great way. A, you know, the world is, becomes very small and you meet so many interesting people. So I, I really enjoyed it. But um, as I said, I'm a Buckeye. Always root for my high state Buckeyes. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again, Cody. Thank you, Cole, so much. Have a great day. Thank you, too. Again, a special thank you to Connie. She was phenomenal to have on, and she just gives really great insight. Of course, at the time being, how she first kind of grew up through the ranks, getting to that first NFL job, where at the time it was really unknown for any females to be in that scouting office, let alone a league office like the NFL was. So it was really great to hear her story. And how even that is has opened today and broadened that for anyone that's willing to try to break into the field. Again, she was a great guest on. We could glad that we were able to talk to her. 
for now, I'm Colin Plitt. Thank you for checking out the Intersection Podcast. We'll see you next time.